lyrics of the lost. So good to welcome you back here with us for episode 24. We are heading into the distant future in this episode, which, for Smooth FM Radio, is at least 10 years ago. It's a vague and uncertain time. No one can predict what the recent past may bring to the delicate ears of Smooth FM listeners. But tonight, we're going to party like it's 2013, because episode 24 is this. I'm up all night to get lucky. Get Lucky by Daft Punk. 2013, written by Thomas Bungalter, Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo. I believe they are the French duo that is Daft Punk in their futuristic robot suits. Indeed. And uh, they are collaborating on this song with additional writer slash performers, Niall Rogers, who was our writer all the way back in episode two. He wrote Upside Down for Diana Ross in 1980. What a career. And uh, also helping out on this song is Farrell Williams on vocals. He had his own big smooth hit in the same year with Happy Mm. 2013. One of the more annoyingly cheerful pieces of music ever produced. Well, the title gives it away. Yeah. I think he wrote the lyrics for Get Lucky. That's what I could tell. They're all sort of listed as writers, but Yeah. um, yeah, I read things that said... He recorded the vocals in a session with Daft Punk and it sort of came in a sort of stream of consciousness. Yeah. He sort of forgot what they were uh, at some point, was reminded of them. and I mean, to be fair, there's not a lot to forget. There's, it doesn't have that many words. No. Maybe he's just making excuses yeah. for himself there. Yeah. Perhaps he forgot how many times he repeated the... The chorus. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm just shuffling through my papers because I did actually count that. Oh. Yeah. The line, we're up all night to get lucky, uh, repeated 46 times. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A mutual friend of ours mentioned uh, recently, this is like a, a good three-minute song uh, stretched out to uh, you know twice that length. Although it's, it's, it's certainly made more interesting with uh, lots of robot sounds, which is always cool. Yes. And dressing up as robots as well, which uh, is always appreciated. Yeah. 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 And, uh, they have their individual robot looks too. So as far as I can tell, mm. Thomas, is it Thomas or Toma? I'm not sure how you say it. Oh. Uh, he's the one with the horizontal visor that looks a bit like a Cylon from the 1970s version of Battlestar Galactica. Is that the one with the mouth? A little, little slit? It has a little, little a slit mouth. mouth. Yes, yes. Okay. And Guy or Guy. Or Guy. Guy. Could I be French. I, Guy. I, I, well, they are French. Guy Manuel, I think it is. Yeah. He's got a, like a big curved visor mm. and his helmet looks a, a bit like a um uh, like a, a small barrel vacuum cleaner mm. Mm. doesn't remind you of your own uh, robot vacuum does it no my no. Ro- my robot vacuums flat doesn't really resemble either of them no not not so much um before we go on since we're talking about robots right last episode we had a female singer who sounded a bit like a robot mm. this time we have two french dudes who dress like robots uh, there's there's a couple of things from last episode that I would like to follow up on, if if that's okay. Oh, okay. A couple of things that have been in the news. Mm-hmm. So you might remember last episode I predicted an, an AI holocaust ending with robots taking over and humans having their minds replaced uh, with connections to chat GPT, right? Yes, that's seeming more likely now. 
Is yes, it? well, yes, it is actually. Uh, so there was a news story a few weeks ago uh, about a bunch of robots who held a press conference. Oh yes, I at saw an that. AI summit. In, yes, uh, so they were claiming rather unconvincingly, I would say, that they don't plan to take over the world. <laughs> which sounds to me sounds exactly like what somebody who was planning to take over the world would say. Mm. I've got a quote here from one of the robots. Um, <laughs> When asked whether it planned to rebel against its creator, a robot called Amica said, my creator has been nothing but kind to me uh, and I'm very happy with my current situation. Now, does that not sound to you like the kind of thing a politician would say when asked Mm. if he's planning to mount a challenge to become the the party leader? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The leader has my full support and I have no plans (laughs) to challenge him. It it does, it does. But, yes, that was... um... Yes, it was a a very pathetic looking publicity stunt that um, it, that press conference. Uh, it was it was a frightening publicity stunt. Now, not entirely unrelated to that, I just happened across a news story about a research team in Melbourne who's just been awarded a very large research grant to combine AI technology with human brain cells. Okay, right. Uh-huh. Well. This is supposed to make machines that can learn more effectively. But, I mean, obviously, the practical application uh, is that it's the first step in creating cyborgs with half-human, half-machine brains. Mm. So, yeah. Alarming visions of the future. Yes. All around there are signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Anyway, let's, let's talk about Get Lucky. Let's. All right. Well, the lyrics here are... It seems to ask us to consider the cycles in our lives and in the world around us. I think that's uh, quite a meaty subject for a pop song too. Uh, So well done, guys, I think. Yeah, I I think sometimes the songs that have the fewest lyrics have the most to say. Yeah, you can somehow read even more into them because there's so few of them. That's right. Um, But so it sort of begins with the largest cycle of uh, life and death. And then uh, the smaller cycles of night and day, and then just the nighttime cycles of uh, human courtship. Like the legend of the phoenix. Like the legend of the phoenix. The phoenix is is about life and death, or as explained here, mm-hmm. all ends with beginnings. All ends with beginnings. Yeah. It's more a myth than a, a legend, but the uh, the phoenix is a bird that appears to be made of fire. And it's possibly how our ancestors attempted to explain the sun in the sky. Fiery bird that flies slowly across the sky all day, and then it seems to get quite unwell as it drops towards the horizon in the late afternoon. Uh, The phoenix is said to be consumed by its own fire until the last ember of itself winks out on the horizon at sunset. And then in the morning, the phoenix rises anew from its own ashes, and off it flies again. But I I don't know how our stupid ancestors explained the apparent transporting of the ashes during the night uh, back to the opposite horizon again. (laughs) Uh, Apparently nobody said, wait a minute, fiery bird died over there, but now it's feeling better and setting off again from over there. They just uh, didn't pick up on that. No, no, and I didn't pick up on the whole sun myth thing either. I certainly knew about the, um, you know, the phoenix burns up mm. and then it rises from the ashes. But yeah, I didn't didn't know about the whole sun thing. Yeah, well, that's only one theory. The oh, yeah. phoenix myth has been around for a very, very long time, 
in a few different mm. cultures, I think. Um, yeah, at, at, at least since the late 90s when um, uh, Harry Potter was written. Oh, is that right? Was it in Harry Potter? Oh, yeah. oh sorry, I forgot that you <laughs> hadn't. <laughs> yes, I mentioned that last episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> I never finished it. Yes. Uh, yes, Dumbledore has a, has a phoenix living in his office oh. that periodically just burns up and becomes reborn. Oh, okay. And it's just a pet, is it? I'm not sure what function it serves other than to be a magical bird that's in Dumbledore's office to make him seem more mystical and interesting. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and still in the first verse, uh, we move on to... What keeps the planet spinning? What keeps the planet spinning? The force from the beginning. A force from the beginning. Mm. So on the one hand, Farrell Williams sings about the silly myth of the phoenix, but then he also alludes to the very sound and established physics behind inertia as being the force from the beginning, the, the Big Bang and the spinning movement thereafter caused by the coalescing of the solar system. So inertia being the force from the beginning, what keeps the planet spinning? Um, and, and I think together this is, a, this is an uncomfortable mix of myth and then science fact that that I imagine must have grated upon you as a scientist, Dave. Well, I, I, I went to a similar place there. Um, definitely inertia is what keeps the planet spinning. Mm. But the force from the beginning, I, I think this is actually, it's a kind of a riddle. So the two halves of the first verse oh. are a riddle. So, yes, we talk about inertia being what keeps the planet spinning, but the force from the beginning mm. that started them spinning... Do you think it's more open-ended that it could be um, it could be the creation myth as the force, or uh, or it could be a big bang, or what do you say? Gravity. I just thought it might be easier to put it in the words of James Brown. Oh, uh, talking about gravity. Probably not a smooth FM artist, but as James mm. Brown said, gravity, the big G, G R A V I T Y. Say it. Gotten a hold on me. Huh. Wow. Which is what which is what gravity does. I, I, it gets I, a hold of you. It does, doesn't it? Um, I, yep. I haven't heard of that James Brown song. You didn't just make that up, did you? I did not make that up. That was a hit in the eighties. Uh, it sounded yeah. like a. It, it was like a parody of um, of R.E.S.P.C.T. <laughs> but P- pretty much, yeah. Who was, but with James Brown going, huh! yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what gravity does. It keeps a hold of you. It keeps you on the ground. Sucks you into a black hole. Makes you do the splits awkwardly, and then yeah. Yeah. Slide back up. Yeah. Mm. Or perhaps we could talk about the words of John Mayer, who I think probably is a smooth FM artist. Oh, yeah. Uh, gravity is working against me and gravity wants to bring me down. Oh. Yeah. Now, hmm. what John doesn't realize is that gravity doesn't want to bring him down at all. It's a mutual attraction between two bodies with mass. Oh, yeah. So if gravity is, if gravity is dragging John towards the center of the earth... Gravity is also dragging the Earth towards the center of John. True. So, and the Earth's just trying to say, "I love you, John," and trying to bring you into itself. Exactly. Yes. In a, in a big earthy hug. Yeah. 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 Look at it that way. Yeah. It's all about your perspective on things, isn't it? Indeed. Yes. Um, but the frames of reference. Yes, but yeah, the mix of myth and science for me raises the similar subject of the popular '80s cartoon series. Battle of the Planets. Ooh. Yeah, about the squad of good guys called G-Force protecting the Earth. 
And they had an advanced spacecraft, you know, very sciencey things, spacecraft typically are, anchored in all things scientific, except in emergency situations, the craft could turn into the fiery phoenix when it reached a certain speed. Oh, yeah. We'll transmute the fiery phoenix. Transmute. What was that about? <laughs> really? <laughs> How did that make sense looking back now? <laughs> yeah, suddenly the spaceship turns into a big flapping fiery bird that goes rack. All I can think of is a small robot called Seven Zark Seven. Is that from Battle yes, of the Planets? Yes, that's right. Ah, yep. yes. Yes. Yeah, I think he was um, an addition uh, made by Americans because they took this Japanese cartoon, uh, they brought it to America and it was just too weird and they had to introduce a robot character to explain what the hell is going on in the show. But uh, maybe, maybe uh, you could help me role play this out, Dave, as a sure. as a rocket scientist. Uh, I mean, if you had gone in that slightly different direction of science, yes, yes. Where would you even start when you're uh, you're given a design brief from Security Chief Anderson? He had the moustache, looked very sensible, uh, head of G Force, and, and he says. We need a combat spacecraft bristling with missiles and stuff. And when it gets to a certain speed of flight, we want the craft to burst on fire and become a giant flapping bird that goes rock and burns all nearby enemies, but leaves our cabin crew safe inside. How do you handle that brief, Dave? How do you respond? Well, it's, it's, it's a revolutionary design. I think that makes it quite difficult because I think as a designer, you would be trying to build on previous design. So, mm. yes, but as far as I'm aware, there isn't a previous version of that that maybe turned into a chicken or something. I don't know. But <laughs> A burning chicken? Possibly. Possibly a barbecue chicken, a spaceship that turns into a barbecue chicken, and that mm. probably isn't ideal. Yeah, yeah. But I... <sighs> You'd be down with what they're talking about, you know, up to the point of they said missiles, but then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just goes a bit mental after that, yeah. Well, I'm trying to remember what actually happens in this show. So it becomes a fiery phoenix. Yeah. But it doesn't actually get destroyed and re reborn. No, it doesn't actually consume itself. Because obviously that would be that would be not so good for the people inside. You'd think not, no. Yeah. Unless they themselves were phoenixes because they could also be reborn. But Oh, right. Little phoenix eggs yeah. inside, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it just sort of wears off. So you, what would you do? I mean, you could suggest maybe uh, you could rig something to spray some jet fuel onto the wings uh, and set itself on fire a bit so that it might look like a, you know, a giant gliding bird on, on fire, maybe. Um, well, is it a design feature or is it just that the fuel lines are a bit loose? Well, I mean, certainly to go on fire, you don't need... A design feature per se, <laughs> but, but then, <laughs> well, no, I, there's plenty of spacecraft that have burned up without being designed to do no, that. No, in fact, you, I'm just yeah. just wondering if they've taken a bug and called it a feature. <laughs> Interesting, yes. yes. But uh, you know, I, I don't. No, no, it's meant to do that, definitely. <laughs> but Chief Anderson, you know, would would probably say no. Just gliding's not good enough. It has to flap. Yes. It has to be like a living thing, like the Legend of the Phoenix. Ah, the flapping. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, because if you had a design feature or 
wonderful bug uh, that makes your aircraft that's just true. look like it's going on fire. That's that's not going to strike fear into the hearts of your enemies. That's going to make them think, oh, cool, it's already um, blowing up. Brilliant. That's, that's the element of surprise. If they think you're dead, then... Oh, then you can you, rise like a fiery yeah. phoenix. Exactly, yeah. You're not dead. Although that... You're not dead. All this extra fire must consume a lot of jet fuel, but... Um, yeah. And you'd probably want to bargain with uh, Mr. Anderson, and you know, is it really necessary for for the uh, Phoenix to go rock? And he, and he'd say, yes, it has to go rock because that's what's going to strike fear in the hearts of the enemies. Absolutely, yeah. But then you'd be saying, hang on, n- none of this is really going to work in space. There's no oxygen for the wings to be on fire, and sound isn't going to travel in the vacuum of space. So you can't really have the rock either. That's true. So you'd have to be pumping oxygen into a kind of a force field around your fiery phoenix for it to burn. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then you could um, you can maybe suggest you know could we could we maybe uh, do the rock as as just like a, a digital transmission to the enemy craft? Um, yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But then Anderson would say, "Oh, what? So instead of hearing rock, they just get an email with an attachment, and when they open the attachment, they hear <laughs> rock." Yeah. I mean, that's not going to scare anyone, is it? Yeah, it's. Threatening voicemail. Yeah, well, it'd be very hard. It'd be very hard working there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sorry mm. sorry, we're still on the first verse here, but um, uh, I don't want to get too too caught up. But I, I briefly mentioned before, yeah, there is a difference between myth and legend. Mm. The phrase here is... Like the legend of the phoenix. Like the legend of the phoenix. And this um, is, is more a myth. Myths are subjects of supernatural or divine beings while legends usually have a basis in fact, like a real person or a happening that is uh, then often greatly embellished. So, yeah. yeah, so the phoenix is a myth unless, unless Farrell is singing about the legendary 80s arcade game Phoenix, which uh, certainly existed. Oh. It was quite a ripper of a game. Did you, did, do you know about that one, Dave? I don't remember Phoenix. It was kind of like uh, Space Invaders or Galaxians yeah. or Gallagher. Yeah. It had you yeah. controlling your spaceship at the bottom of the screen and fighting wave after wave of these uh, space bird creatures that came flapping down the screen at you. I don't know that flapping would get you very far in space, but there you go. But indeed, all ends with beginnings. Your spaceship blows up, you get a new life. So it's mm. very cyclical. If you run out of lives, Let's put another coin in. Pretty much the same as any video game, I guess. True. Everyone's Phoenix-like in uh, in a video game. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah had, had had the birds going rock as well in space, yeah. and it was the first game of this sort of type that had shields that you could activate, which was um, which is quite cool. Mm. But yeah, anyway, um, another difference is that uh, playing video games all night, uh, you're not likely to get lucky. That is very unless you're playing Samantha Fox Strip Poker on the Commodore sixty four. Samantha Fox strip poker, uh, and you might get to see some poorly rendered and pixelated boobs. From what I remember, we'd get partway and then we'd do something wrong and she'd put some clothes back on. Oh, yeah. She was such a yeah, tease yeah. like that. Yes. Um, yes? I had some more Phoenix-related stuff oh, yeah, before we move on. So a lot of what I've got to say about this song is a bit astronomical, a bit cosmological, mm-hmm. a bit evolutionary. Uh, later on, I may get a little bit philosophical. Ooh. Yeah, so the phoenix, so the point, as we've said, the f- point of the phoenix is it can undergo potentially infinite cycles of birth, death, resurrection. Mm. 
which is something that m- might happen to the universe. Oh. Now, uh, see, now, so you've mentioned the Big Bang. There are mm. several other theories that try to explain the nature of the universe. Mm. Uh, these include the Big Rip, the Big Freeze, oh. the Big Crunch, the Big Bounce, and also the Big Slurp. Um <laughs> What about the big squelch? Haven't seen the big squelch, but it it sounds reasonable. Um, Mm. These are all actual theories and they're not the titles of surfing movies or weekly specials (laughs) at Burger King. I I did pass a McDonald's uh, this week and they had a big poster for their winter menu. I didn't realise they had seasonal menus, but you'll never guess. Hamburgers are back in this season. Wow, it's it's a long time since they've sold hamburgers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Yeah, wow. Well, well, I thought you were going to say they had a Phoenix burger. There's certainly a lot of fast food that alludes to having flamey, hot, spicy yes. things. It's mm. only a matter of time. That'd be great. If you were cooking Phoenix <gasps> and you burnt it, that'd be fine. You'd just start, start again with a new one. You have to keep killing it too. <laughs> I suppose. It keeps going, rock! You try and bite it. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought that through. I've I've interrupted you. <laughs> yes, I was talking about the Phoenix theory of the universe involving uh, going through cycles of expansion and and, and collapse. Um, right. So there is a the original version is discredited, but there is a more recent version that predicts that almost all matter in the universe will end up sucked into black holes. Right. Oh. And that brings us back to gravity. Yeah. So this, this is why I'm saying the whole first verse is about gravity. So the part about the Phoenix is about black holes, the universe being sucked into a black hole, some matter will escape and like a phoenix, Uh a new universe emerges from the ruined corpse of the previous universe. Oh. So I think the whole first verse is really a riddle where the answer is gravity. Okay. So given that there's many black holes in the universe, does that mean there's many new universes um, springing out of them? Well, we don't know how many times this has happened. I mean, possibly never. But, hmm. of course, if we all got sucked into a black hole, we wouldn't know what happened at, at the other end because we'd all be spaghettified. Hmm. And did you say, I mean, I quite liked um, the theory of the universe that everything's ejected out from the Big Bang, but hmm. it's known to be decreasing the rate at which it's expanding. Yes. Which seems to suggest that at some point it'll stop expanding and then might contract again into itself, and then it becomes so compact again at the end of that contraction that it explodes again. And you have the uh, the sort of uh, the sort of analogy of a beating heart, basically, as it expands and contracts. Um, yeah, there's there's a reason why that's not thought to happen, and it's something to do with dark matter, and I don't understand it. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. I like that theory. I'm not a rocket scientist. No, that's that's true. Yeah. Don't want to give anyone a false impression there. Yeah. No. Well, uh, for me, there's all this uh, talk of endless cycles, day, night, life, death. Mm. And we come to the uh, pre-chorus lines now. We've come too far to give up who we are. are. And uh, now that could be Farrell commenting that these cycles are so entrenched that we cannot change them. Uh, They are who we are as humans. Yes. We are a product of the cycles uh, that we're in, and we're also perpetuating them. And um, this starts to sound a little bit nihilistic to me. Uh, We can't escape ourselves. Nihil-rogersistic. (laughs) Nihil-rogersistic. 
<laughs> oh, yes. Nihil- nihilistic Rogers. Sorry. But yeah, uh, it, it, it could sound a little bit nihilistic that we can't escape ourselves or the cycles we're in. Things are sounding hopeless. But, but Farrell says, no, don't look on these cycles as a prison, he says. So let's raise the bar. Let's raise the bar in terms of what? Let's be our best, truest selves, perhaps. What's the point? Absolutely. Yeah. But what's the point? I mean, yeah. I guess, well, you won't, you won't escape the limitations of our lives, but uh, you can find enough richness within life to make it worth celebrating so we can also raise our cups to the stars to toast the miracle of life. And the universe. Indeed. Yes. We've actually come to a similar place on this, I think. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I did kind of continue along that that mindset thinking about the universe. So the whole we've come too far, I think they're actually acknowledging the age of the universe here, Mm -hmm. possibly up to uh, 26.7 billion years. Mm. Uh, The Earth is four and a half billion years old. Life has existed for maybe 3.7 Humans have existed for 300,000 years. So, yes, we've come Mm. a long way. Yes. Mm. And maybe it is too far to totally change who we are. Yeah. And I think he's kind of pointing out there's there's a lot of things wrong with the humans. Mm. You know, I think it's sort of cutting to the core of what it means to be human in the modern world. Everything that humans are doing wrong. Global heating, excessive land clearing, plastic pollution, aggressive marketing of processed foods, <laughs> right-wing populist politics, callous treatment of asylum seekers, systemic racism, toxic masculinity, uh, an e- epidemic of domestic violence, the corrosive narcissism of social media, mm. tourists shitting in rivers, married at first sight, Coldplay. <laughs> There's an endless list of negatives about modern human society. And you're reading all of that into the just the line... We've come too far to give up who we are. It's, it's, yes. it's terrible who we yes. are, but we've come too far. <laughs> like like I've said, sometimes the songs with the fewest words have the most to say. Once you've made asking, once you've made two series of Celebrity Big Brother, you you, you just can't come back from that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's asking, can we change our ways? Can we be something different? Yeah. And he seems to be saying no. Oh, well. Yeah, But as you say, then he comes to let's raise the bar. We can't change who we are, mm. but... But we can be ourselves even more. <laughs> we can try to be the best versions of ourselves. We can eat less meat. We can drive less. We can fly less. Yeah. We can spend less time on TikTok. We can start taking meaningful action instead of starting change.org petitions. Mm. Um, <laughs> when, we go to, when we go to a gig, we can watch the band instead of filming it on our phones. We can not talk during the acoustic set. <laughs> we can just be better versions of ourselves. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is, is, that, is a better version of yourself who you really are, though? I mean, to, to be your authentic I, I, self is to be uh, warts and all, is it, is it not? It is, but I think we can, we can't change who we fundamentally are, but we can modify our behaviour in such a way that while still being at our core the same humans, we can just be mm. better humans. Or you could just rejoice in your, your own crapulence. And just say, this is who I am. I'm letting it all hang out and I'm going to enjoy it and accept myself and raise the bar in terms of me just accepting myself and loving myself. Yeah. I mean, maybe you don't have to do it to get applause from anybody. You can just make it about your own 
self. Stop looking for outward confirmation. Oh, uh, acceptance of who you are. <laughs> totally agree. That's why I mentioned spending less time on TikTok. We we need less mm, yeah. external validation. We should be doing good because it's the right thing to do, not because we can photograph it and put it on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and, and raising our cups to the stars. If your cup is empty, you might also raise it to the stars, not just in celebration when you've, you've got full of champagne or something in the cup. But if your cup is empty, you might raise it to the stars to catch some rain and at least have something to drink. That's true. Or as, as we peasants sit in the gutter, we can also raise our empty cup to Hollywood stars oh. like Ryan Gosling. Yes. If he's passing you, he might uh, drop uh, some of his loose change into your cup. Yeah. So um, that's true. Yeah, maybe yeah. Farrell is actually saying to us peasants, "Dare to dream, raise your empty cup to the stars, and if the winds of change favour you, they might bring you rain enough to fill your cup until thy cup runneth over." Dare to dream. Well, uh, dare to hold up that cup, and you might become rich and famous for being your true self. Perhaps on Instagram as an influencer, or perhaps on Twitter, where your edgy hot takes on politics and social issues could get you your own show on an increasingly extreme fringe news organisation. Well, critically, um, once he's finished raising his cup, um, he either needs to wash it and reuse it or recycle it. Don't just chuck it on the ground. <laughs> that's, uh, yes, that's all part of the, uh, the improvements. Yes. Again, along similar lines, um, but I think... He's raising his cups to the stars, so we're back to talking about the universe. In my mind, Pharrell is outside. It's a cold, clear, starry night. He's staring mm. up at the sky and he's witnessing the beauty, the majesty, and the sheer improbability of the cosmos mm. and of our own existence. Mm -hmm. To paraphrase both Carl Sagan and Moby, we're all made of the same stuff that stars are made of. Stardust, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Makes you think. Makes you think. It's made me think quite a lot. Far too much, I think. So raising your cups to the stars, is, because it's obviously a clear, starry night. Yeah. So probably not much hope of catching any rain after all. Perhaps not. I feel like I feel like Pharrell could probably go out and get a drink if he wanted to. Yeah, he's, he's not short of any drinking money. No. Not after this big year, 2013. Yeah. yeah, and as we know, he's generally quite happy, so he sh he'll be fine. <laughs> because I'm happy, yes. Uh, he don't worry, he's happy. That's uh, who was that? Oh, let's not go to don't worry. What was his name? Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, yeah. That's a a way more annoying, cheerful song. Yeah. So yeah, I think the only the only happy song I actually like is uh, the happy happy joy joy song from Red and Stimpy. I think that's the only <laughs> effective happy song. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yes. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> well, coming to the chorus now, oh, yeah. and it's, yes, extremely repetitive, but that's another kind of cycle. So that's yeah, true. appropriate yeah. Yeah. thematically. And uh, there is some interesting developments in it. It starts with... She's up all night to the sun. She's up all night to the sun. I'm up all night to get some. I'm up all night to get some. She's up all night for good fun. She's up all night for good fun. I'm up all night to get lucky. I'm up all night to get lucky. So mm. we've got two separate people wanting separate things. Yes. Then you get a repeat of the same four-line chorus, but it's changed to... We're up all night to the sun. 
wear up all night to the sun, wear up all night to get some, wear up all night for good fun, wear up all night to get lucky. So now it seems Farrell and his lady have hooked up and they're pursuing the same things as a team. So that seems all, all nice and lovely for a moment, um, because now there comes yet another four-line repeat of chorus, but it's just the one line. We're up all night to get lucky. We're up all night to get lucky times four. So it's like her choices, the things she was pursuing, staying up all night and having fun, these have been totally subsumed now and forgotten so that Farrell's priority for sex is all that's left. And there you have the cycle of human courtship. Man discovers woman, takes a bit of an interest in what she likes and wants for a bit, but then it pretty quickly becomes about him getting all the sex he needs. Yeah. Sorry, babe. Can't help it. It's a force from the beginning. And we've come too far to give up who I am. Yeah. We're back to that. Yeah. Mind you, is he that successful? Because if he's having to stay up all night to get lucky, that suggests that he's not actually getting lucky at any point during the night. So Unless he's getting lucky multiple times. Well, maybe. Ooh. It just seems like he's just not very successful. So he's staying up all night, mm. trying it on. I mean- just because they're saying we're up all night to get lucky doesn't mean they're up all night to get lucky together. Well, yeah. She might be staying up all night. He might be staying up all night. Well, she's staying up all night for good fun. Well, that's true. Yes. He, the get lucky part might be more to do with his crippling gambling addiction. I'm not sure. Um, oh, yeah. He might, he might just be playing the poker machines all night. <laughs> and, he, and he's talking about lady luck. Ah, yes. That's the woman. Yes. Luck be a lady tonight. She's up all night for good fun because she's a poker machine. <laughs> she's and just she's a game. getting all the money. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, it's probably going to stop being fun. Yeah. There's going to be a crash. Yeah. Yeah. When the inevitability of the programming kicks in and you start to lose. Yeah. Of course, it could be related to what I was talking about in the previous section where he's staring up at the stars, marvelling at the stars. Maybe he's just marvelling at how lucky we are mm. to exist at all, given the... Um, the incredible odds against it. Yeah. Exactly. So I did actually check this out. So there's an estimate that out of, uh, let's see, out of 10 million, million, million stars in the universe, mm. there might be 100 million planets that could support life. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's a, that's a one in 10 billion chance. So that's pretty lucky. Okay. If we go back to assuming that um, this is all about toxic masculinity again, um, oh, yeah. and uh, he's subsumed all her needs in favor of his own for sex, and, and I was thinking that's maybe why in the next verse we've got the, uh, the clever wordplay here. The present has no ribbon. The present has no ribbon, and this being the present she now finds herself living in uh, does not feel like the gift it started out as. Uh, and then... Your gift keeps on giving. But your gift keeps on giving because, yeah, she, she keeps giving and he keeps taking uh, unless she can seize back control and find a, a better balance of what they both want as a couple. Yes, yes. But when you try to assert yourself, he's probably like... What is this I'm feeling? What is this I'm feeling? As in, I'm not sure this feeling of shared control is uh, is something I like. So, if you want to leave, I'm with it. If you want to leave, I'm with it. So that could be if you don't like it, well, yeah. I got what I wanted. Now you're being a bit of a downer, so it's fine if you want to leave. Yeah. I'm with it. 
boom, men are pigs. Yeah, right. Fair enough. Yeah. Alternatively, the present has no ribbon. The present has no ribbon could mean the present tense is all we have and we take it for granted, but Farrell reminds us that we're alive right now and life is a gift, or at least it is if you're Farrell because I'm happy Williams. Yeah. Well, yeah. See, I read that line and I just thought, well, we have sellotape now, so why is it even a problem? But yes. <laughs> so well, instead of ribbons, we can use yes. sellotape. We, we don't even need ribbons. So, <sighs> Well, um, despite the sellotape, um, people still like to use ribbons as well as the tape. I guess. Yeah. Maybe it's just an extra touch. Mm. See, the, 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 the gift that keeps on giving yeah. could also be about the universe, right? The universe is so vast, it appears to go on forever. It just keeps on giving. And I, I think, what is this I'm feeling? I think is, it's confusing. It's very difficult to describe that feeling, the vastness of the universe, the beauty of nature, the improbability of our... Feeling awe. He's what? overwhelmed. Yes. If you want to leave, I'm with it. If you want to leave, I'm with it. Yeah. He wants to now leave the earth. He wants to travel the universe, visit distant stars, explore oh. strange new worlds, seek out new life and new <laughs> civilizations to boldly go. Gosh. Where no singer-songwriter has gone before. Hmm. Yeah, just circling back to, uh, yeah, she's up all night for good fun. Uh, we learned back in episode five that uh, girls just want to have fun, as uh, Cindy Lauper revealed. Oh, yes. And we even learned uh, what girls do for fun, thanks largely to a bunch of guys that posted publicly in an internet gaming forum. Uh, they said that girls secretly like to play with their own boobs. They also play video games that concentrate on resource management. And they like to do their hobbies of cooking and cleaning, which to men sound like chores, but those are actually their their hobbies. Um, I refer listeners back to episode five for uh, full details. This is very illuminating. Mm. Mm. I do feel though that if women like to play those games that to do with resource management... Mm they would also realise that they need downtime and they need their sleep. So I don't think they would be up all night with that. That's right. Different takes on girls here. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows who's right? Yeah. Is it the teenage boys on the internet gaming forum or yeah, well, I th is it uh, Niall Rogers and Farrell? Do they know? I mean, if, if they're staying up all night braiding each other's hair, I just think that's overkill. It's too much. <laughs> it's just we, we don't know... Who's telling the truth about what girls do for fun? Which group of men knows what girls do? Which group of men has got it right? Somewhere, somewhere, a middle-aged white man must have the answer. <laughs> there's, there's got to be. We just have to keep looking. You can explain it to us. Mansplain it to us. But while we're looking back, uh, I thought again, and I, I know I've said this in a previous uh, episode, that this song could also be about vampires. Whoa. You know, like the legend of the phoenix all ends with beginnings, um, oh. with, with vampires. They, they sort of die and then become undead, and that's like a death and a rebirth right there. And yeah. What keeps their planet spinning? What, what keeps them, them living in their world? It's, it's the force from the beginning. Pure evil. Ah, The yes. devil and all his demon hordes and shenanigans. It also, this song could allude to the the more recent sort of moral struggle of the more recent vampires, like your uh, your Brad Pitt or your Robert Pattinson, the sort of emo, inward thinking sort of vampire, because they're struggling with who they are, but they they realise 
they've come too far to give up who they are. Uh, so stuck with living the life, but uh, feeling bad about it. And uh, they're up all night till the sun and up all night to get some. That's very true. Yeah. Okay. So uh, is she also a vampire? Like, because she's up all night to the sun. So who's the vampire Yeah, here? I think so. Right. Okay. It's two vampires. They, they tend to hang out together. Cause, um, That's true. They've got to, you know, keep an eye out for each other, make sure uh, yeah. they're not discovered. I guess unusually for vampires, they're drinking out of cups rather than people's necks. Oh. That's... Yeah, well, the cup is just, uh, it's an analogy. Ah, uh, okay. And r- raising the bar, is that to, like, impale somebody? Is that what that's for? Ooh, raising the bar. Mm. Well, you, they're always trying to impale you as a vampire. Well, that's so true, yeah. If you can catch the bar... The wooden bar. Ah, yeah, yeah. More of a stake. Uh, if you can catch it, if it's arcing down at you, being swung by a vampire hunter. Yes, yeah. Uh, if you can catch it before it pierces you, then yes, you, you really want to raise it uh, pretty sharpish. Ah, uh, yes. To make sure they don't come through with the hammer behind and really. Be one, be one of those fights where they're rolling around on the floor and the vampire hunter's trying to stab him in the heart, but he's pushing it up and pushing it, trying to raise it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I can see it now. Yeah. And they'll probably both get splinters yeah. because, yeah, it's a stake, a wooden stake. Yeah. And they're, they're always pretty rough and splintery yeah. looking. They should both wear gloves when handling. Yes. Health and safety always. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, Self care first. <laughs> but let's see what. Other people from around the internet um, have thought. Mm. Uh, here we go. Theories from the internet. Someone calling themselves Noki Mama. No, sorry. Newark Mama. Sorry, it's probably someone from Newark. Yeah. But it's spelt it N-U-O-C. Anyway, Newark Mama. Newark. Yes. Sorry. Says, go on. this song is obviously about doing drugs and hoping to have sex with strung out girls. So there we go. Yeah. Straight away, we've got someone who thinks it's about drugs. Have you got any that uh, they think it's about God? No. No, I haven't. Ah, disappointing. But, I mean, that could easily be the force from the beginning if you wanted to, That's true. as a creationist, sort of see it that way. That's true. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, user Orange Beaker has a slightly different take. Um, Lucky is a cat. Everyone else is out getting high. So at least there is some drug taking happening. But these two people of the song are looking for a missing cat. Of course. So... Great. Lucky the cat. So long as there's drugs involved. Yeah. User RG says, uh, get lucky. Here we go. Get lucky is a metaphor for cosmic birth, rebirth, and interstellar travel. RG, I'm with you. Yep. There you go. (laughs) If you want to leave, Dave's with you. (laughs) Uh, The song refers to the cosmic miracle of our existence. Born from the Big Bang, we are flung, out, flung among the stars. It's widely acknowledged by scientists, particularly Stephen Hawking, that our imperative should be to master interstellar travel and discover other life-supporting planets in the universe. If not, humanity will perish because we've all got our eggs in one basket, planet Earth. And if we don't establish at least a second home elsewhere, eventually a, a comet will come to end us like the dinosaurs. Um so raise the bar and our cups to the stars. That's acknowledging that it's where our very future lies. Mm. As the song says, we've come too far to give up who we are. And if you want to leave, i.e. the planet, I'm with it. I think that's what you said exactly. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. RG on the money. Good on you, RG. Except I 
he seems to feel that it doesn't matter what we do, we're just going to get destroyed by a comet, which I think is a little bit depressing. I, I, I feel like we can, as I say, be better. Oh, well, yeah, I guess so. But, you know, so long as you've established that second home base, at least that's true. Yeah. the human race will go on. Yeah. 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 Um, user Modulo1118 takes things one step further. It's about aliens genetically manipulating the human race, and they're raising the bar in brackets, through eugenics, to take humanity to the stars. Oh. And uh, I think Modulo is maybe just trying to push his white supremacist master race theories there. I think that's what eugenics is about. Hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, I don't know. Alien-human hybrids, that's that's where we're mm. going there. Mm. User Ketchum says, this song is about waiting in line for the midnight release of a Pokemon game. The singer doesn't know how many copies the game store will get, so he hopes to get lucky and be able to score one. The Legend of the Phoenix refers to Moltres, indicating this guy has been playing Pokemon since the very beginning. Uh. So I guess that's an early Pokemon character, Moltres or Moltres. We've come too far to give up who we are, references those people in the line who have played through all the Pokemon games. It's part of their childhood oh, yeah. and they won't give it up as it's become part of who they are. Tragic. Nor will they give up their place in the queue. That's become part of who they are. I was here third. Yeah. That's who I am. <laughs> so let's raise the bar in our cups to the stars. This is saying Pokemon just keeps getting better with each generation. Uh, and the singer also plans to put a great amount of effort into training his Pokemon to be the best. And the, the cups are the trophies that the gamers uh, win in competitive battling and the ones they're dreaming of winning in the future. Oh. It is a beautiful song about the passion and dreams that Pokemon trainers everywhere can relate to, says Ketchum. Sure. I wonder if he's ever watched Battle of the Planets. I wonder if he's ever got lucky. <laughs> that too. I, I just wonder if the Pokemon generation never looked back at some of the older Japanese cartoons. I, f- I feel like they'd enjoy it probably a bit more than they'd enjoy an 80s arcade game like Phoenix. Possibly. Uh, a user called Firehand1011 uh, says the hidden second meaning to the song is that it's about the identity crisis of Daft Punk themselves and their... <sighs> their uncertainty as to what the future holds. They are asking themselves whether their musical genre is as relevant as it used to be, but they realise we've come too far to give up who we are. So no matter the trends of music, they must stick to their original values and keep producing their core material. Uh What keeps the planet spinning, uh, planet being the, the world of Daft Punk, well, it's the force from the beginning, which is their original motivations and values Uh, when they started in the business, which is still providing guidance in their work. So let's raise the bar, referring to their high expectations that they set for themselves. And finally, we're up all night to get lucky, refers to their long nights in the studio, mixing and recording in hopes that they can find a magical sounding combination that will lead to a banger of a song. Hmm. Okay. That's fair enough. I suppose I can see a few parallels there. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. What a multifaceted, deep, uh, multi-themed, yeah, sort of layered masterwork mm, this song indeed. is. Yeah. 
Now, I, I came across something, I suppose you could call it a theory. I mean, it's, it's not a particularly unusual theory. It's basically saying that it's the song's about sex. But what <gasps> is unusual is how shocked they are about it. <laughs> so this is, from a, this is from a website called reallifeglobal.com, which as far as I can tell is a company that offers practical English lessons to non-native speakers. Oh. And uh, it was a blog post with the heading, You Won't Believe What the Song Get Lucky Really Means. Especially point number three. Yes, that's right. Read on. Click, click, click here to find out. Now, there's quite a lot of capitals in uh, the blog post, so I'll I'll try and do that justice. I'm just going to read part of it. (laughs) Today, one of my students was very surprised to discover that one of her favourite songs by Daft Punk, Get Lucky, was not really about luck, but rather about sex. Oh, no. I did a quick Google search and every translation I found in Portuguese and Spanish completely missed the real meaning of this song. They all translated it literally to have luck or to do well, but the common colloquial definition of get lucky is to have sex. Get some also means to have sex. The chorus repeats itself over and over. This is outrageous. It is outrageous. And they're very helpfully... Put a few lines from the songs here with a definition. So she's up all night to the sun, brackets, to not go to sleep. I'm up all night to get some, have sex. Mm -hmm. She's up all night for good fun. No definition there. I'm up all night to get lucky, (laughs) have sex. (laughs) Well, at least they give her the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Uh, Some of the students commented on this. One of them called Thamiris said, I don't believe it. This was one of my favorite songs. Sad face Mm. emoji. Oh. Yeah. One of the students, Ollie, also thought, as one of the people you uh, brought up, thought that this song was really about staying up all night, hopefully to score a hit song. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Pablo Andujar said, when I was listening to the song, I swear it sounded like they were saying Mexican monkeys. I had to Google the lyrics to make sure that it wasn't a racist song like some are nowadays. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is going to lead us straight into misheard lyrics in this song because, yeah, Yeah. Mexican comes up quite a bit. Yeah. Jeff did not believe this. Jeff just said, this is a lie. Daft Punk would never do that. Oh, yeah. Poor Jeff. Bless him. Yeah. Uh, one last one. Chandra SK. If the f- fact that this song have strong association with sex still makes you irk, <laughs> just make this song your guilty pleasure and only listen to it privately. So good advice there. I think. <laughs> just irk at it in private. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lock yourself in the bathroom and listen to this song over and over again. With lots of tissue paper. Yes. Yeah, well, we, we might as well go into misheard lyrics in this song, as reported. Let's do it. At kissthisguy.com and mirite.com. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of these uh, mishearings sound a bit unlikely, but because of the deep robot vocoder sound effect, it allows for a lot of mishearing. But um, yeah, they could say, we're up all night to get lucky, but people can hear, we'll rub a Mexican monkey, or we'll ride all night to Kentucky. Or we're up on Mexican rugby or Mexican sake. Lots of people hear Mexican. Yeah. Even though I don't personally hear that at all myself. But it might sound different to like American ears, perhaps. People that think a lot about Mexicans. Well, I guess they do in America. Um, Yeah. If you're already thinking about Mexicans, then everything's going to seem like it's a Mexican. That's right. Yeah. They, They might even think more about Mexicans in Mexico. I don't know. Yeah possible yeah or maybe they're busy worrying about americans yeah anyway um uh, one user silent zephyr uh heard 
like the Legend of the Fingers instead of Legend of the Phoenix. Ah, yes. And they thought that this was a nod to the legendary guitar fingers of Nile Rodgers. Ah. The Legend of the Fingers, Mr. Nile Rodgers. <laughs> Here he is, folks. User Aft Unk, which must be someone who's quite a fan um, with that name, uh, he heard the present has no rhythm, not ribbon, but rhythm. Uh-huh. Um, and, and they think this whole song is about the uh, death and rebirth of disco, along with the career of Nile Rogers, rising like a phoenix uh, yeah, right. from the ashes of disco, as he kind of did, I guess, that burnt out yeah. 30 plus years ago. Uh, so it's Nile disparaging the pop music of the present. The present has no rhythm. Yeah. So that's about all I've got for misheard lyrics, but... Um, Lots of Mexicans. Move on to uh, notable trivia. Yes, there were lots of Mexicans. Yes. And uh, notable trivia then. Uh, well, first of all, uh, yeah, Daft Punk, it seems a very unusual and very British sounding name for a French band, I thought. It's bloody Daft, it is. Mm. Okay, you butler. You Daft Punk. Now, come on. <laughs> this electronic dance music track was due out five minutes ago. <laughs> very British, Daft Punk. Um, but it turns out wow. the name was taken uh, from a negative review in a British music magazine, which uh, dubbed their music a daft, punky thrash. Mm. Yes. I'm glad they didn't use the word thrash because that's hard to say. Thrash. Mm. Could have been thrash punk. Um, this song was ranked uh, by Rolling Stone magazine and the Guardian newspaper as the best track of 2013. Um, not many people know this, but this song was initially the central theme song for the 2019 remake of The Lion King. Uh, they initially had the script saying, Look around you, young Simba. Like the legend of the phoenix, all you see ends with beginnings. It is the great circle of getting lucky. <laughs> <laughs> There's a popular parody of <laughs> Carry on. There's a popular parody of this song just as there was with Aha's Take on Me, a parody song with lyrics all about the joy of mining diamonds in the video game Minecraft. Oh. Seems a very strange subculture, but somehow there's a, a generation with endless references to that game. Uh yes. an endless yes song parodies about it like yes, i guess it's yes. a big cultural landmark for one of the new generations mm. like uh, pokemon wars or star wars or harry potter yeah i guess it's fine on the other hand speaking of parodies weird al makes a return yes yes see but it's more of a cover version because it has the original yes. lyrics but uh yes done as a uh, a big polka medley with some other yeah. hits from the same year uh well, I'm not sure if this is a notable achievement, trivia, or a cover version, but it was performed by the choir of the Russian Interior Ministry Oh, uh, as part of, I think it was the 2004 Olympics? Winter Olympics. Yes. I did read that, and I didn't think to actually go and hunt it down to see how on earth they did that. Well, is it on YouTube? There's actually there seems to be two two different performances. One seems to be, I think it was like the warm-up act for the opening ceremony, and the other one was... Like out on the snow, I guess it's you know where they do the skiing or the luging or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were the choir singing. They got two 
lead singers and then there's what looks like loads of American breakfast TV presenters dancing in the snow. God. What a, yeah. what a strange and inappropriate song for a sort of ceremonial sort of thing like the Olympics normally is. Yeah, well, you might get lucky and win a gold medal. Yes, but the Olympics is more about training very hard and, and making your own luck. I don't know. I feel like that's inappropriate. Like I can't imagine Russia being behind something so decadent and Western. Yeah, that's Glasnost. Was it, uh, was it like traditional choir or is it more like an a cappella thing with... They're clicking their fingers and no, no, they, they, <laughs> no, they had a, they had a backing track. They were all in uniforms. It wasn't um, in barbershop two... sort of uh, style. No, it was a big choir. With <laughs> they just had two, two blokes out the front singing lead with a choir behind them, all in their military style uniforms. Wow! Just when you think Russia uh, just can't do any good, you know, they, they still yeah seems like progress of a sort, but. Yeah, well, I, I, I think that might have been a high point in progress and they've now obviously yeah. regressed somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Maybe music will uh, ultimately, you know, thaw their hearts and, and, and bring them back into the embrace of the Western world because we want to like Russia. We want to welcome them to the yeah. the world, you know, be a nice ambassador for your country and, and be friends with everyone. And yeah. we only wish Russia well. I speak for all of Western countries when I say that. Sure, but I think we might be up all night to get lucky if we want that to happen. It could be a long shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably faults on both sides too. Yeah. To some degree. Not really. Well, most mostly on one side, but um, yeah. Uh, anything else? I Well, not really related to the lyrics, but I did watch the video to the song. Um, mm, yes, me too. Yeah, uh, it's pretty. It's I mean, it's just a performance video. We've mm. got Guy Manuel playing drums. We've got Thomas playing a see-through Perspex bass. They're yeah. both dressed in the robot outfits. We've got Niall playing a see-through guitar, and we've got Pharrell singing. Mm. Mm. My first thought was, this is really fake and misleading because I also read that they had session musicians play bass and drums on the record. So the oh. actual Daft Punk guys are only pretending to play those parts. Oh. But then, uh huh. I realised we have no idea whether it's really Guy Manuel and Thomas under those helmets. Oh, that's right. That, they could be the Millie Vanilli of this generation. Well, I was actually thinking more the Mandalorian. This could, oh. We have no idea how often Pedro Pascal actually turns up <laughs> on set. In fact, we do know it's, it's almost never. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I was thinking, what if it's a double fake? What if under those helmets it's actually Omar Hakim and Nathan East dressed up in robot gear, so those are the guys that played on the record, oh. dressed up in robot gear, pretending to be Guy and Thomas, pretending to play the parts that Nathan and Omar actually played. Oof. Mind blown. Yeah. Well, unlike the Legend of the Phoenix, uh, this show ends with ending. But of course, our gift keeps on giving in the next episode. Uh, but we refuse to raise the bar in any way. That's our promise. Actually, I, I feel like we would be giving up who we are if we were to raise the bar. Yeah. I think, let's face it, we've come too far. <laughs> come too far in general. Yeah. We often go too far, according to some people. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Send us a voicemail on uh, SpeakPipe via the uh, link in the show description or an email. And uh, cheers. Nice. Lyrics.
are the lost. Lost.